Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How would you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit reset, and that's when you can reach for Coors Light. It's made to chill. Look, it's summertime. Transfer window is coming up. It's gonna get crazy. So if you ever just wanna, again, take a step back and relax, read the transfer rounds, read the gossip rumors, grab a Coors Light. It'll be perfect companion for all those transfer merry-go-rounds. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. The mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when the beer is cold. That way you always know when it's time to chill. When you need to hit reset, just open a Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Now that it's finally hot in Minnesota, I'm gonna be looking for an easy beer to drink, and Coors Light is perfect for that. It's lagered, it's cold filtered, and it's cold packaged. It's, again, made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies perfect for a moment to unwind and so when you want to hit reset reach for the beer that's made to chill get coors light in the new look delivered straight to your door with drizzly or instacart coors brewing company golden colorado and as always celebrate all right so you're listening to this podcast right now london is blue and guess what we host our podcast on anchor.fm that's right if you're looking to host your own podcast this is the easiest free way to get started. This has got a content creation tool allows you to record and the podcast right from a phone. That's right, don't even need a computer, but you can do it there too. They'll also help you distribute it, which is probably the most challenging part. You don't want to have to mess with that. They got you covered. You can get it right on a Spotify and Apple Podcasts as well as any other place podcasts are found. And you know what? You can monetize it too. Make a little cash for sharing your great content with the world. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one individual place. So you know what? Head over to your app store, download the Anchor app, or head to anchor.fm to get started if you're ready to launch your podcast and make it happen. Hi, this is Ruben Loftus-Cheek. This is William. I'm Mason Mount. You're listening to the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. That's right. It is the eve of the FA Cup final. It is the basically end of the you know the Premier League season's done and gone. Nick is doing something with this afternoon. I don't know what, but Brandon is back with me as well, and we have a friend of the show, kind of an enemy maybe in this moment though. Our friend Elliot at Yankee Gunners joining us to talk and preview the match ahead. But first off, we have to ask, just ask Elliot, how you been? How you doing? And uh, I mean, how you feeling? about your arsenal right now. Yeah, I mean, personally doing okay um, to the extent that you can ever decouple how you're feeling from how your club is performing. I mean, obviously we are complete crap. So, you know, that's not great. Uh, but we're in a cup final and uh, we got there by beating City in the semi. We now have Chelsea in the final. It feels very familiar, very 2017 vibe about it. And who wouldn't want to go back and have it be 2017 right now? So, yeah, I uh, I think all things being equal. I, I won't complain because there's... Plenty of ways it could be a lot worse. Let's put it that way. That is very fair. Uh, Brandon, none of the typical pre-conversation stuff, iTunes reviews, match reviews, Apple podcasts, but maybe just a shout out for what we need people to do to help support the pod from a following standpoint. Yeah, you should do it because that's important. I feel like <laughs> most of the people listening, though, are already doing it. So what we need you to do is to go find a friend, find a buddy, and make sure they subscribe, make sure they follow. So uh, share the joy that we hopefully bring to you with, with a Chelsea mate, a friend of, of ours, so we can continue to grow 
uh, our community amongst the best Chelsea fans out there. All right. Well, we are doing this during the workday. Don't tell any of our bosses uh, that that is the case. So we will jump right in to this match preview. It is the FA Cup final against Arsenal. Chelsea versus Arsenal. What a match to have as the final this season. And it is at Wembley. Arsenal has had, you know, our listeners obviously know how the Chelsea season ended in fine form, but how did Arsenal end the season? Last six matches in the league, three wins, one draw, two losses, big wins over Wolves and Liverpool. That was, I think, maybe the surprise one, but they were on a beach maybe at that point, at least mentally. And they also had a huge win versus City, 2-0 in the FA Cup semifinal. So, Elliot, from your perspective, kind of post-restart, obviously a little bit of a different vibe for how things were going, building into the end of the season before we had this big break. How did you feel about how the season maybe ended up for Arsenal with these results? Well, I think it was a, a project restart of highs and lows for Arsenal. I mean, we started with Manchester City as our first match back, obviously an incredibly stern test, and I actually felt we were holding up pretty well and then David Luiz decided he wanted the rest of the day off. He wanted a little longer pandemic layoff, I suppose. So he got himself uh, sent off, gave them a penalty, kind of handed them the initiative, and, and the game fell apart from there. Um, you know, the, the interesting thing is that Liverpool victory that you cited, like that was a terrible performance, an absolutely abject, terrible performance where we were dominated thoroughly and just happened to win. It happens. I mean, I think Manchester City lost to Tottenham in a game where the expected goals was like four to nothing, essentially. Um, but that backs to the wall performance kind of paved the way for what was our best performance of Project Restart, a, a counterattacking, defensively solid performance against Manchester City that I thought we were deserved winners, unlike the Liverpool match. Um, you know, we played well in stretches. I thought we were the better team against Spurs, but got punished. We were the better team against Leicester, but had Eddie and Kedia, the uh, academy striker, come on, get sent off almost immediately, and then they pegged us back. So highs and lows. Um, Mikel Arteta, I think, has prioritized trying to solidify the defense with limited resources back there, and that has come at the expense of, of building a more coherent attack. So we are a team right now that doesn't have a great attacking identity despite having more talent at the, the top of the pitch. I think midfield is a huge problem. We don't progress the ball through the middle of the pitch. We don't progress the ball into that zone 14 area right at the top of the box. So we're a team that funnels everything out wide, tries to funnel the attacks of the opposition out wide, and uh, pretends that the center of the pitch is lava and we don't go there. Um, which, you know, when it's a midfield two of Granite Jack and Danny Ceballos is probably best advised. Uh, overall, though, I think there's a lot of optimism about Arteta. He took a team that looked just absolutely pitifully pathetic under Unai Emery, a team that is short on talent, a team that looked dead and buried, got it at least playing in a way that we could recognize as having a future, having potential but he's just short of talent. He's short of talent in a lot of really important positions. Mesut Ozil has been frozen out, hasn't played at all in Project Restart. Our talented young midfielder, Matteo Ganduzzi, uh, got in a fight, unclear what happened, didn't really apologize or take the opportunity of the Olive Branch to come back. So he's been frozen out. He'll probably move in the summer. And when you take you know a team that had limited creators and ball progressors to begin with and remove those guys, it's just been really tricky. I think we played the most fixtures also or, or second most you know tied for the most fixtures of any project restart which is already a crowded uh a period of fixtures to begin with so you had a lot of tired legs a long long way of saying mixed 
results for a team short on talent, still trying to identify its identity under new manager. Well, Brandon, I know that we've looked at what was happening at Arsenal and some of the the comparisons in our season too, because I think the Chelsea season has also been a bit of a mixed bag, you know, kind of from what Elliot was saying there, I, I guess maybe where, where's your head at and kind of where your concern might be with the, the match ahead? Well, I think you have to give Arsenal credit for beating Manchester City, you know, kind of, to, to what you had said. Um, and that has to be taken with like, I think validity. Um, Pep Guardiola was super upset, kind of blamed it on his players afterwards. So, you know, that he wanted to win his expectations that they would go and win. But I think everyone collectively was like, okay, that was one of the best performances from Arsenal. We've now seen that they've got that in them. And, We've seen that they can do it in a big game at Wembley. You have to now take that into account, whereas we really hadn't seen that level out of them. And especially, you know, as Chelsea tend to be more comfortable without the ball, so do Arsenal. So it'll be really interesting to see um, what happens. But I think we're going to unfortunately be burdened with possession and having to break down a stubborn uh, Arsenal team. And so uh, that that's what it's going to have to be. But honestly, like, was not... You know, if you would have asked me before the semifinals, everyone would have said Arsenal. And you still would have because you never want to play Manchester City under Pep Guardiola. But again, we've now seen a new side to Arsenal. We're like, okay, that was cohesive. That was competent. That was dangerous. It might change kind of the the odds percentages, I would say, going into this. So, Elliot, as you kind of think about it, you know, the, where are you looking at this and saying, if Arsenal win this, how are Arsenal winning this versus Chelsea? Yeah, I think in the way that you just sort of outlined, which is that we're not going to have a lot of the ball. I think we'll have 40% possession, um, you know, unless we fall behind big early and score effects lead us having more of the ball and, and you sit back and counter. But I think we'll have 40% possession. I think we will try to run the same playbook that we did against Manchester City to some extent. Uh, it'll be a back three with... Uh, the team sort of soaking up a little bit of pressure just on the, on the edge of the area, I think, and trying to play out from the back very committedly. You know, we're not going to just kick it long. We're, we're playing out from the back, and that's how we're springing the trap and hopefully, you know, able to get it out to the, the wings and, and exploit what I think is the vulnerability of Chelsea's defense. You can certainly correct me if I'm wrong, though. I think, I think there's vulnerability there uh, on both flanks, especially if Alonso plays, who I know Emerson played against us in the last match but I think Alonso, as good as he is going forward, is a liability going the other direction. And the idea of Pepe and Hector Bellerin being able to attack down that flank is something that we'll definitely try to exploit. Aubameyang's runs in behind, I think, you know, are always dangerous. The question is who's going to get him that ball. And, and Tierney did that job pretty well um, against Manchester City. So we'll look for more of that. It's it's a really interesting game because neither midfield hurts you particularly, right? I mean, Jorginho mm -hmm. and Kovacic don't score, don't assist. Ceballos and Chaka don't score, don't assist. Uh, and it's it's weird because both teams want to attack from the same zones, I think, and create attacks in the same kind of way. But you are going to be burdened with more of the possession, I believe. And correct me if I'm wrong, I think where you've struggled in attack this season has been breaking down lower blocks. And if we're able to hold up, and I'm not sure that we will, and I think our central defense is a huge challenge for us uh, to survive, especially, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Shodran Mustafi has had a little mustafa uh in Project Restart. He's injured, and it's going to be Rob Holding, who 
coming back from a long-term injury and hasn't really hit a respectable level yet. That's certainly going to be a challenge, but give us the ball. Let Danny Ceballos collect it deep, you know, let him get it out to Bellerin and Tierney to spring Pepe and Aubameyang. And there's a chance they'll look for Lacazette playing a really deep fall coming back all the way into the midfield to collect the ball and, and be more of the escape valve in the middle of the pitch than either of the two midfielders. Um, it makes me wonder if he'll stick with the back three you've been using or if Conte, I think he's fit. Will he come back in? If he does, will he kind of mark Lacazette when he drops in? Because I think that area of the pitch is, is something you'll have to address. Cause if you bring a center center back all the way up to try to battle Lacazette for the ball in the, you know, in, in the middle of the park, then we really have those channels to go attack with our runners. So again, a long convoluted answer, which is very on brand for me, but I, I think that it's an ironic matchup of two teams that like to attack in similar ways. You're the better mm-hmm. team, no doubt, but because you will be tasked with possession, we may have the chance to do more of what we like to do than you do. Yeah. I, I think you bring up a lot of really great points that I don't view this as a battle of midfield Titans. I don't think this is where the battle is going to be fought at all. Nope. It's really going to be, you know, can a combination, and I think we're going to play a back three as well, and I'll get Brandon to tie in on that in a second, but, you know, the Azpi-Reese-James combo and the Rudiger and uh, Alonzo combo, can they compete well enough with the flank of Arsenal to try to really win and advance the ball forward? And it's going to be really interesting to see how those matchups go. Like I'm I'm definitely more comfortable with the as P Reese James side of the pitch. I'm a little bit more concerned with the Rudiger Alonso side of the pitch. And I think Brandon, you know, are you seeing the same type of concern in terms of where the 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 battle is going to be won in this match? Yeah, this has the signs of a shootout. I mean, if anything, you'd probably say Arsenal have a bit of an edge with a better goalkeeper. Even it's probably going to be backup versus backup, which is a cup final, what a weird situation to be in. Um, so I think a lot of that w- is how it's going to come down. You know, our our biggest hope that we hold on to is that, you know, Olivier Giroud is hyped to get some maybe revenge. I don't know how he feels like it, but maybe some validation that, leave, you know, being told that he didn't have a spot at Arsenal anymore was, the you know, good for him to come to Chelsea. Uh, on the flip side, David Luiz, not more than 10 months ago, being told by Frank Lampard, he ain't cutting it, geezer. And so he left. He was right, it. by the way. He was right. He's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so for us, it's like, I'm sure David Luiz will have something that he'll want to prove in this match. You just never know what you're going to get. Um, so absolutely. Look, I think set pieces and the wing play is going to be where this game is won and lost. Um, and unfortunately our set pieces aren't great, uh, defensively, but we've seen Mason Mount do some good stuff. Willian since the restart, um, and our wide players again, see, he's going to be fit. Obviously still really excited about Christian Pulisic and Jeru's form lately. Willian had one off game and then he was out injured. So we have to see what he comes back and, and does, but yeah, Dan, I mean, look, the, the midfield is going to be absolutely bypassed in this match. Like they're, they're going to be there to kind of hurry the ball to the attackers. And then that's it. There's really no dynamism in the middle of the park come this Saturday. Yeah. I I think that is, (laughs) that's, that's a fair one. And if I were trying to draw up where I think the challenges are going to be 
for that Arsenal side. You know, I mean, I think we are going to struggle with, you know, an Aubameyang and Lacazette, I think in the same way Mm -hmm. that Arsenal are going to struggle very much with a Giroud and Pulisic combo with the one-two setup that they had. Is that where, Elliot, if if you have a concern between those two, between Giroud and a little bit of revenge element or Christian Pulisic and his rise over the past, uh, you know, eight, nine games here within the restart, who is concerning you more of those two? Well, I mean, Pulisic is the type of player who can hurt us a lot more than Giroud. I, I think, you know, I hope I don't eat those words, obviously. And Giroud got plenty of payback in Baku last summer, so maybe he got it out of his system with any luck. Um, but, well, first of all, I, I guess I'm curious. You know, Lampard seems to really like Mason Mount. And when William was fit, I don't know that Pulisic was, like, nailed on to start. Now, I know his form makes him hard to drop, but is there any – consideration of the idea that Pulisic might start from the bench or is that just craziness because it sure seems like Lampard has had a soft spot for Mount over Pulisic when it's come down to those two and William has you know he's got that experience so is is there a chance we'd get lucky and Pulisic might start from the bench oh I I don't foresee a scenario where he comes off the bench I think the the comment after the United match where there was the concern and he didn't start the match necessarily was that it was down to a little bit of a muscular issue wanting to make sure Mm. that he gets supported. I I think actually what might happen and Brandon, you might want to weigh in on this is if William is not fully fit, which was the issue last match, then you get a mountain and Pulisic pairing um, in the, the front three. But it then changes the dynamic of what you do potentially out of the midfield if you have now a fit William, a fit Pulisic, and a fit Mount in terms of what the starting 11 might be. Would Mount start as more like an attacking midfielder in a three with Kovacic and Jorginho behind him and Conte still winds up not playing even if he's fit? Um, usually they like to have like a holding mid and then two number eights going box to box. So, so like a Kovacic but Mount, and Mount. Uh-huh. But, but Mount always finds himself in the front line. Like he ends up pushing into a 10 spot, Um, you know, but look, I was thinking about the lineups, Dan. I just don't see a four, three, three being a huge advantage for us because of the threats, as Elliot has said, in attack with the strikers and the wing, you know, the wing players, Um, the young, because yeah, he's just, I just feel like Alonzo being isolated or if, you know, as P on the left, I suppose, and Reese James on the right is probably your best bet. But as they push up, I just don't think that, you know, leaving any of those attackers one-on-one with our center backs right now is a good situation to be in. So that's why I think it's a cup final. You got to take care of business defensively first before you go forward. Don't give up something cheap and silly like we did back in 2017, even if it was a handball on Alexis Sanchez. I don't know what you're talking about. (laughs) Just, you know, and just close up shop, settle into the game, take, you know, get to the first water break. It nil nil, um, you know, and and then you can kind of feel it out from there. But you can change it later in the match. Don't go out overly aggressive, make a mistake, then now you can't come back from. That's my concern. Mm. I think that's most managers' concern in a cup final. Yeah, you know, it's interesting because I I think back to the the home game where we lost you two one, and it was harsh, and Leno had the awful mistake mm-hmm. that got you back in the game and a turning point for both of our seasons, really. But you guys were getting dominated in that game. Started with a back three. Jorginho started on the mm-hmm. bench. It was Conte and Kovacic in the middle of the pitch. And like, it didn't work. Um, we were running riot down the wings and you never really got any control of the game, giving the ball away, giving us counterattacking opportunities. I love facing the back three with this team. Um, Lester tried to play us with a back three recently. We were dominating them uh, before the red card. So we, we got a little unlucky there as well. I, I really think... 
that and in that game it was Jorginho who came in if you remember he came in they you switched to a back four and you took total control of the game at that point um I think if you do go with the back three it really plays into the way we like to attack and I'm kind of crossing my fingers for that the the issue is we have such a limited capability defensively but I look at that you, you mentioned the flank the um the Marcus Alonso and who would be on that side I guess Rudiger uh, yeah. Rudiger, Rudiger Alonso but also with you know with that side like I don't know. I, I mean, we have Pepe and Bellerin on that side, but also I guess Pulisic would be the other support, and he's not a particularly effective defender, you know, from from what I know of him, more from his U.S. men's team appearances and Chelsea appearances. But, like, I just think there's so much vulnerability on that side, and Pepe is a really unique kind of player with his dribbling. He hasn't always gotten the distribution right, um, but when he does get it right, when he, you know, if he's having the kind of game where he's making the, the quick decisions and releasing the ball at the right time, he can be an absolute nightmare on the counterattack. He made his career before coming to Arsenal as a counterattacking player. I think given the chance to counterattack a vulnerable uh, left side of your defensive flank, like I, I, that's, that's going to be the area to watch. I think both of those sides of the pitch, we're going to have a hard time keeping Pulisic quiet on that side of the pitch and Alonso if he raids forward. And I think you'll have the same problem going the other way. It wouldn't surprise me if Emerson started again, though, because Bellerin has eaten Alonso for lunch ever since the elbow to the head. I don't know. You guys probably remember that incident, penalty box incident. Alonso yep. knocked Bellerin out. He was out for a while. Since then, though, he's had some of his best games against Chelsea facing Alonso. So while Alonso has hurt us with some goals, some big goals that I can that I can name, I, I think that would be a back three with Alonso starting at left wing back would be the matchup I'd want to see because I think it gives us the most chance to attack in ways that we're threatening. Yeah, I, and kind of in hearing that, I think the one kind of wrinkle, and Brandon, you alluded to this a little bit, is like if you go with a back four and you place Asby on the left-hand side, you keep Reese on the right, you keep that Zuma-Rudiger uh, partnership in the center, and then go to a midfield three that involves, if N'Golo Kante is healthy, then you have Mason Mount in the midfield there as the eight, potentially even bring in a Ross Barkley. And then you have William and Pulisic on the wings. That gives, I think, the Arsenal defense a little bit more to think about. And I think would play into the fact that we actually are going to have a little bit of that at possession, Brandon. I'm not sure what you think about that. It could. I mean, that's, I think, the tough part with this, right? Is there's so many hypotheticals, especially for a Chelsea team that, while has had a pretty good restart, we still don't really know what our best lineup is. We've had injuries. Don't know what our best formation is. And it's the end of the season. Our back line isn't settled. Our goalkeeper isn't settled. Our attack is mainly settled. I mean, for the most part, I think the fact that you have Christian and, and Olivier Giroud up top out of the three spots, that pretty much gets you there. And it seems like Mount and William can go interchangeably. So it's kind of a, it's just like a weird situation. And like hearing Elliot say like, oh, I hope you play back three. All of a sudden you have to go, okay, well, wait a second. Maybe there's something that we're not thinking of. And and to be fair, we're just thinking from our perspective. And that's why we do appreciate having these kind of opposition side previews. Because from our perspective, it's, well, we think our team is best set up in the back three. But then we're not really thinking of, well, how can Arsenal exploit that? You know, so I, I think it's going to come down more than anything to the leadership on the pitch, to the nerves in a cup final, because our team is, a, I think, two and a half years younger on average age than last season. Um, 
you know, under Micho Sarri when we won it. Frank hasn't managed in a cup final, but he's played in a bunch of them. So I don't know. Like we'll have to kind of see what the the team's kind of capabilities are in a big match and and how they handle it and um I and just how they yeah play play with all that pressure and attention on them. I think at the end of the day, the formation is what it is, but really it's about how these guys go out there and handle their business. You know, when you, you line up on the, at, at the beginning of the match, you look at the guy across from you, you talk about Hector Bellerin versus Alonzo. Like, Alonzo, are you going to step up that day? Or are you going to let him sneak past you six times and then have him get a terrible weak footed shot off that goes into the bottom corner? Cause our goalkeeper is too short. Let's hope so. Yeah, let's hope so. Mm-hmm. You know, we have to, we have to see and same with Arsenal. You know, a lot of those players haven't really been in FA cups. So I think that's why it makes it really interesting. And the fact that I think Chelsea and Arsenal made it probably kind of threw off the predictors a little bit based on form, but we both made it and there's one match, 90 minutes, potentially extra time, potentially penalties to, to take it all home. Um, and, you know, I think technically Arsenal have a little bit more writing on it because there's a pathway to Europe. Is that right, Elliot? Yeah, I mean... It's not that anybody thinks of the uh, Europa League as the great prize that we're going for, but when your budget <laughs> looks like ours does, and and you know it's not just budget for us. One thing that I think both clubs have in common is a pretty interesting and exciting group of young players coming through. Now, young mm-hmm. your young players are a little, little bit older and a little bit more and more established in the. Uh, you probably know about Bukayo Saka, one of our young players who's really broken through this season. I don't actually think he'll start this game, ironically. Um, you know, you may have heard of Martinelli, a guy who scored a, a goal you might remember against your own team uh, going end-to-end, announcing himself to the league, but we, we were aware of him already. But we have players like Willock and Reese Nelson and Eddie Nketiah, and what Europa League does is it gives you six games in the first half of the season that you can give to players like that rather than having to loan them out. We have someone named uh, Emil Smith-Rowe, who's uh, at Huddersfield this season, impressing, and we want to bring him back. And he plays in a position we don't have right now, which is uh, sort of the number ten attacking midfield position. We used to have a player named Mesut Ozil, but um, he plays professional Fortnite now. So, uh, you know, the, the Europa League is is not just a monetary advantage. I think it's an advantage for a team trying to bring young players through to keep them at the club and keep them working with the coach and the philosophy of the first team squad and playing. You know, in League Cup, in FA Cup, in Europa League, you can give young players enough starts and enough appearances with that route. If you don't have it, and all you have is Premier League in the domestic cup, suddenly you look and you say, "Do we have to loan this kid out again?" Do we, you know? And and for the players who are 22, like Ainsley Maitland-Niles and you know Eddie and Kedia, do you wind up selling them because loaning 22-year-olds doesn't, you know, is a road to nowhere? And so, yeah, that's a long way again of saying I think we need Europe for money need Europe to help develop this this talented group of young players that we have or risk a sort of lost season for them in a way. Yeah, that's a really great shout. And I think the the interesting thing is you've got two sets of these English youngsters on, on both sides of the ball who have played extremely well at the youth levels. Uh, you know, I think the the Chelsea youngsters in, in Mason and Reese may have won a, a little more uh, in, in their time in kind of the youth leagues. But it's going to be interesting to see that dynamic in this match in addition to, you know, the the veterans who are maybe a little bit older on their way out. You know, I think about uh, Pedro, if he gets an appearance in this match, you know, potentially his last match in, in English football. You know, William, 
maybe goes to another side of London at the end of the season, depending upon how that works out. How much of your garbage (laughs) are we going to take every summer? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, there's, there's definitely some interesting kind of facets there. If you look at maybe Elliot, just across your team, if there's one person who wins this game for Arsenal, who every Chelsea fan should be super concerned of. I've got a name on the tip of my tongue. It's a, it's a bomb yang, but is there someone else that I should be concerned about or who you think wins the game for Arsenal? Yeah, I mean, look, it is Aubameyang, obviously, because he scores all the goals and everybody else scores none of the goals. So if you do the math, it gets pretty easy. But, like, I think this is a game for Pepe. That side mm-hmm. of the pitch is vulnerable. He has the talent. He has the finish. He has the ability to change the game with by winning a pen. I mean, he hasn't. The weird thing is, he hasn't been given fouls. He hasn't won a lot of penalties, and like, he's the trickiest, hardest to tackle guy you'll see. And he just he gets hacked down. They don't call it. But like, if it's not Aubameyang, for me, it's Pepe because he's playing on the side of the pitch that you can exploit, and he's got a lot of quality. He's just starting to look like he's getting pretty comfortable in England and in the system and working with Arteta. So, you know, I mean, maybe he's not a dark horse guy. We spent 72 million pounds on him, but for a guy who hasn't really had the season we were hoping for, I I think he's showing those little flashes. Now he's not a 90 minute player. So he could start from the bench with Bukayo Saka starting on the right and coming in and making a huge impact as a sub, or he's going to go about 60 minutes. That's probably it. But I think in the time he's on the pitch, it's up to him to, to go after the vulnerable, God bless you, uh, the vulnerable part of the, of the pitch for, uh, for your side. And, you know, the one thing I'll say about the backup keepers, because I doubt you are aficionados of the Arsenal backup keeper situation, to give you an idea of the kind of season we've had, our two players of the season are Burton Leno, our starting keeper, and Emmy Martinez, our backup keeper. <laughs> I mean, Aubameyang aside. So uh, the good news is that he's been so good that now Leno, who was our player of the season before he went down, there are even people like, should we sell him in the summer and just make Martinez the number one? So we've been fortunate, at least, in that this guy has come in and, and done the job. I assume it'll be Caballero for you guys. Um, although, who knows? Maybe we'll get lucky and Kepa will get the start. Who knows? Yeah, I, I don't think Arsenal's luck is that good to get Kepa between the sticks. And uh, we we have uh, unfortunately had to have many a tough conversation in our podcast <laughs> over the last couple of weeks here. But I, I know... Brandon, we've looked at Arsenal and we've kind of seen from afar like how great the goalkeeping situation is when your backup keeper can be as good or potentially even in the conversation among supporters as better than your starting keeper. So uh, I know that's a, a concern for us too, especially as we our shot conversion always hasn't been the, the greatest this season. Yeah. <laughs> I, I care not to elaborate on that dead horse anymore this season hey look kep is saving half the shots he faces that's great good for him <laughs> <laughs> on a good day yeah mr 50 percent. well i think that brings us to the point of maybe the one thing that i think maybe just in terms of game flow um brandon i think that this is going to be very interesting because i think it's going to be the first drinks break as you said is basically the time to explore it's going to be probing it's going to be figuring out exactly what side is trying to do and then i think the real match is actually going to start in the 23rd 24th 25th minute after each side has figured out exactly what's going on is that kind of how you're seeing it too yeah i mean look cup finals we've seen it it usually goes tight right to the very end of the match you know it's one moment of brilliance that wins it free kick a dazzling run or a massive mistake, and and that's the fine margins of a cup final, and I don't expect this to be any different, except maybe 
multiple goals is what I'm expecting. I, it's, I don't think it's going to be a one nothing game. Not at all. Well, that, that brings us to a good point. We probably should do some score predictions and yeah. uh, we're terrible at them. So, but we'll still do them. So uh, we will not make our guests go first though, because that is rude podcasting behavior. So Brandon, do you have a score prediction you want to lean in with? Yeah, I think 2-1 is probable for Chelsea, but I could easily see that going into extra time as well and just being the worst nerves ever. I don't think it'll get to penalties though, but I think it'll be a one-goal difference in this matchup. Definitely no clean sheets. Not a chance. Uh, Elliot, would you would you agree? Do you have a different scoreline there? You know, the interesting thing is if it gets to extra time, I think the one thing about having the five subs and the drinks breaks is that they're players could be a little more fresh. So mm-hmm. extra time could be a little more interesting. Maybe not that walk around the pitch and just wait for penalties because you've got some fresher legs on and, and players have had a chance to sort of recharge. So that could be something to look for. Uh, if it goes to extra time, a, a more vibrant extra time period, uh, which I'm sure we're all rooting for because we won't have any nerves on the line at that point. Uh, I think this is going to be just a goofy clown shoes, crazy final. I think your vulnerability defensively and our vulnerability defensively makes for a final that will have mistakes that will have goals. Uh, you know, I, I think we have absolutely no quality in the center of the pitch defensively. I think we have tremendous quality in the wings where we can hurt you, as I've said, so I could see three, two arsenal. Um, I will candidly. And like, this is the kiss of death. I think we wanted to face Chelsea more than Manchester United, not because I think Chelsea is less good than Manchester United. I think you have the better team. But I think what they do, both in attack and defensively, are much bigger problems for us. I will tell you right now that my 3-2 is predicated on you guys starting a back three. If you start a back four and go with the extra man in midfield, I think you'll destroy us. Uh, I think you'll just have all of the ball. You'll be able to get in really hurtful positions. We don't have a way to match up with that third man in midfield. Um, I think that we'll get pushed back deeper than we want to, flatter than we want to, and we won't have the ability to spring the trap. So I'm hoping for that back three. Come on, back three. And then then I think we can win a, an absolute clown shoes, uh, crazy 3-2 uh, wild shootout uh, euphoric FA Cup that launches us into the stratosphere of Europa League. Well, uh, I like the idea of a 2-1. I also like the idea of a back four now. I'm just going to take this afterwards, <laughs> cut it, send it over to Frank and Jody, <laughs> let them know what the game plan should be. But, you know, I think either way, uh, we are in for a very entertaining match. You know, very few matches in Project Restart had uh, nil-nil in their scoreline. So we are in for some goals. We're in for some festivities. I'm sure there's at least one VAR or a poor referee decision that's going to pop up too. So just mark that on your bingo card already and take the shot for that one. But beyond that, we're looking for a good game. Uh, Elliot, thank you so much for coming back and talking a little Arsenal with us and previewing the cup and uh, best of luck to your players, but we hope they lose. And uh, we will, (laughs) we'll look forward to chatting with you soon. Brandon, thanks for making some time during the workday and everyone else enjoy the match until next time. Keep the blue flag flying high. 